This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So on one side, they look at one side and they see the Egyptians and they say, oh no, behold, there come the Egyptians. But then they turn to the other side and then they say, oh wow, the sea is opened up for us to escape. So that's the oh no and the oh wow. And for us as believers, that's what we have to wait for. When the oh no comes, just sit still, stand still, wait for the oh wow. The ultimate oh no, oh wow, comes to the believer when he dies. He dies, he closes his eyes, and it's a oh no, behold there comes death. But then he opens his eyes in heaven, and it's like, Oh, wow, behold the Lord in heaven. All right, now, we read how the Lord cleansed this leper in verse 3. Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So the Lord touches the leper, and we can be sure that that was another, oh, no. You know, first it was like, oh, no, behold, there came a leper. And now it's like, oh, no, behold, Jesus touched the leper. Is he going to contract leprosy? You know? But that was an oh wow because he, didn't, he wasn't in danger of becoming a leper because he, he destroyed the leprosy. But the point here is that the Lord did not have to touch that leper. He didn't have to touch that leper to heal him. As a matter of fact, in the next history, the one that's really put next to this one, it's going to start in verse 5, there will come a centurion who will come to the Lord to heal his servant, and the Lord is, is going to tell the centurion that, okay, I'll plan now to come to your house. I'll come to heal your servant. And when the people heard that, that when the Lord said, I am coming, I'm coming, the people were thinking, well, sure. I mean, you know, after seeing Jesus heal the leper by touching him, that, that's how he does it. That must be why Jesus has to go to the home of the centurion so he can heal the centurion's servant by touching him. He's got that, that touch. And so that would be natural after they saw this first miracle. People probably would be thinking, oh, that's the way you do it. That's the way he does it. He goes, he, he has to go and, and, t- and touch the person. Now, in, in verse 5, 
we read that when the Lord had entered into the city of Capernaum that he encountered this centurion. So we can assume that the centurion did not see the Lord heal this leper by touching him. This is an assumption. Well, whether or not the centurion knew that the Lord healed the leper by touching him, the centurion knew for sure that the Lord did not have to touch a person to heal him. But for the multitude, when they heard the Lord say that, I'll come and heal him, they would say, yep, that's the way, that's the way it has to be done. So in the face of that, the centurion says in verse eight, speak the word only, just say the word, and my servant shall be healed. And we can imagine the people reacting by saying, oh, Mr. Centurion, you don't understand. Jesus has to go and touch your servant for him to be healed. But then the centurion, in the face of that, you could think, went on to explain that he did understand the concept of taking orders, taking orders, because the centurion told the Lord that he knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of orders and carrying them out without the order giver having to go along to make sure the order's carried out. He says that in verse nine, I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goeth, to another come, he cometh, to my servant do this, he doeth it. So what the centurion here is telling the Lord, that he knows all about the concept of orders. When the centurion's superior tells the centurion himself, go or come, do this, the superior does not have to go to make sure the job gets done. The centurion superior just tells it and it's as good as done. And the centurion further explained that he's the superior to his soldiers under him and the same holds true. He commands, good as done. So the centurion knew that the Lord Jesus was God and as God, he knew he had angels under his authority and just as the superior centurion and the centurion soldiers, all that has to be done is a word of command, that's it. And Jesus, as the Lord of hosts, agreed. And he spoke the word of healing for the centurion servant, and it was just done, just like the centurion said. But the reason, the whole reason, and the point of this next history about the centurion elaborating on this power of the command is that it creates a beautiful framework for us around the history of the healing of the leper. It creates a beautiful framework, and the whole point of touch he touched the leper. Because the point is, putting these two together, the point is, is that the Lord could and did heal the centurion servant without touching him. And so this just underscores how the Lord did not have to touch that leper. And that emphasizes how astounding it is that the Lord actually touched the leper. And yet that touch speaks volumes. Because the leper comes to the Lord and the leper didn't say to the Lord, you can heal me. He didn't say that. He said, you can make me whole. He went a little bit further. He didn't refer to his condition of outward sickness or deterioration of his body. He called his condition a state of uncleanness, as in dirty and rotten. And that's why what this leper is a picture for us. It's a picture for us of a lost person who comes to the Lord for salvation. Just as a leper didn't come to the Lord referring to his lack of health, so the sinner does not come to the Lord referring to his mistakes that he's made in life for which he needs salvation. And just the leper didn't come to the Lord referring to the deformities 
that leprosy had left him with. So the sinner doesn't come to the Lord, referring to the fact that, well, he's just a child of original sin, born into sin. The leper didn't refer to him that way, but the leper referred to himself as unclean, needing to be clean. So the sinner comes to the Lord, calling himself a sinner, as in dirty, rotten sinner, in need of cleansing. And this will be just the issue that Israel will see herself in, in her conversion, in her national conversion. When she comes and sees herself as a dirty, rotten sinner, when she comes to the Lord, and that's why the fountain is finally opened for Israel. And it's described in Zechariah 13.1, Zechariah 13.1. And that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. It specifically calls out the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And the use of this word for, in Zechariah 13.1, for twice, is very important. It's dramatic. It's not just a fountain for sin. It's not just a fountain for sin and uncleanness. It's a fountain for sin and for uncleanness. And when Israel comes to this fountain for sin and uncleanness, the nation as a whole will be following the old steps of those people that came to John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 5 through 6, Matthew 3, 5 through 6, when it says, out, it says, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized in Jordan, confessing their sins. So they're, as they're coming down to John there into the river Jordan, they're confessing their individual specific sins. They're not just saying, I'm a sinner. They're not just saying, I've sinned. They have said, I have sinned in that I did this. I have a sinner because I did this. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, and I need to be forgiven for my sins. I need to be cleansed. I need cleansing. So just as in that day of John the Baptist, the fountain was open to Jerusalem and the River Jordan and all Judea, and the rain, so the day is coming in Zechariah 13.1. In that day shall there be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. That's why this leper in verses one through three stands as a forerunner for when again the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will do when they come to the great fountain for sin and uncleanness. So interesting that this passage here about the leper is placed right next to the centurion. Centurion is pressing the point that the Lord can just speak the word. Centurion had faith in how able the Lord was to heal. And that's what makes it so interesting here because the leper was talking about something different from what the centurion was talking about because the centurion was talking about his, the Lord's ability to heal. But the leper has touched on the point of the Lord's willingness to heal when he says in verse two, Lord, if thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. So the leper was on board and in the same page with the centurion in that they both believed that the Lord was able to heal. The leper was convinced that the Lord was able to heal. But the issue, there was a question for the leper, and that was whether or not the Lord was willing to heal him. He knew the Lord could, but the leper was not sure that the Lord wanted to heal him. In other words, the leper was so consumed with how unclean he was, how disgusting it was. He was saying, in essence, to the Lord, I'm so revolting, I'm so terrible. Can you even stand to look at me? 
Are you willing to heal me? Because if you're willing to heal me, I know you can heal me. So what the leper was hoping for was maybe just a glance, maybe just a glance because the leper was a person who, who had a sign around his neck, you know, and unclean. It was kind of, kind of like a you know, viewer discretion advised, you know. That was a disturbing sight to see. But instead of recoiling from the leper to the shock of everyone in verse 3, he puts forth his hand and touches them. We can imagine how fast the word spread around. Jesus just touched the leper. He just touched the leper. But his touch, instead of resulting in contracting, it cured leprosy. So this interplay between the leper and the Lord tells us something about the Lord. The question the leper was asking is, are you willing to heal me? Are you willing to clean me? There's a broader question of, what is God's attitude towards the unclean sinner? Does God take the position of, you got yourself into this mess, now you you get yourself out of it, or does God take the position of, you're dirty with sin, I'm holy, and I'm not gonna get anywhere near you. And the question that the leper asked was far-reaching. Are you as a holy God willing to make me a dirty, rotten sinner clean again? We were talking the other day about trying to advertise that we are looking for plasma donors who have recovered from COVID so their antibodies can be purified and given to to, uh, dying patients. And we were saying, how are we gonna find these people? And so we were talking about how we'll go to the line of uh, in Costco, as people are willing to go into Costco and we'll approach them. I can guarantee you, if, if anybody went up to that line and says, and says, I'd like to talk to you and I have COVID, <laughs> it wouldn't be a line. Right? So just picture that a little bit here with the Lord and this leper. But the Lord says two words in verse three, I will, I will. It's a statement. He says, I will. It's not just a statement for the leper. It's a statement about the kingdom of God. What's the statement? The statement is, is that God is a sin-cleansing God. He wants to cleanse the sinner. He's faithful to cleanse the sinner. 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. We walk in the light as he in the light. We have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ washed us from our sins in his own blood. So the Lord cleansed the leper. He did it with just three words, be thou clean. That was it. Talk about speaking with authority. He just, the Lord didn't say, the process of your healing has begun. You should be fine in a month. He said it was instantaneous. The Lord just said, be thou clean. Just like when the Lord spoke in creation and said in Genesis 1-3, Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. That was a let there be light, and immediately there was light. This is a, verse 3, be thou clean, and then immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So what the Lord is saying here is that I will be thou clean. I will that thou be clean, is what he's saying here. I will, I will that you are clean. It's a word we can hear the Lord speak to us when we turn on the TV or we see some movie and we hear and see something defiling, makes us dirty. From this passage, we can hear the Lord saying, I will that you are clean. Turn it off. Okay, now before we leave this leper, there's something very important to see about the leper. And it's in the words in verse 2 there came a leper, there came a leper. So as a leper, 
he hears that Jesus is nearby and he decides to go to the Lord for cleansing. He knew, this leper knew, there was an opportunity for him to be cleansed. And God wanted that leper to be cleansed, for sure. He says, I will. But that leper was not just cleansed in his home. That leper had to get up. He had to go where the Lord was. He had to fight his way through the crowds to get to the Lord, who really didn't appreciate him being there. So this is a picture of the leper seizing the opportunity. This was the leper's opportunity to be cleansed. And it didn't come easy to him. And it shows us something about the opportunities that God gives to us. When Israel had finished their 40-year journey, their 40-year wandering in the desert, it's time now for them to enter the land of Israel. God said something to Israel in Deuteronomy 1, twice, which is remarkable. In, in Deuteronomy 1.8, here they are, he said this, Deuteronomy 1.8, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them to their seed after them. And he repeats that in verse 21, Deuteronomy 1.21. Deuteronomy 1.21. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee. Fear not. Don't be discouraged. So God has emphasized to Israel that he had given them the land. He gave them the land of Canaan. But how did he give the land to Israel? How did he do that? He uses the word set. He had set the land before them. The land was given to them. And God said that, yes, I've given it to you, but I've set the land before you. But there were a whole lot of obstacles in the way to Israel. To stood, they stood in the way of Israel possessing the land. The land wasn't unoccupied. There were inhabitants. There were Moabites and Canaanites and Hittites and Gibeonites and Ammonites and all the rest of them. And those inhabitants to the land did not come out to Israel and say, oh, well, okay, we understand that God has given you our land, so we're going to leave it here for you, and the keys are under the mat, and, you know, and there you go. No, they had to fight and conquer and destroy the inhabitants of the land. Now, that was the land that God set before them. It was a land that God said, go and possess it, but that meant they had to fight for it. Now, you would think that for something as important as God's land, that he gave to Israel, that he could have come a whole lot easier to him, maybe with no inhabitants, you know. But it didn't. It didn't. I mean, it's similar to the manna. It's similar to the manna that God gave to Israel. That was their only food to sustain them. When God caused the manna to fall for Israel, it fell in fields. And every morning, Israel had to get up, leave their houses, go into the field, and gather, collect up that manna. She said, well, it would have been a whole lot easier, don't you think? if God had just caused the manna just to appear on their table in their houses, you know, sort of like uh, Santa Claus came in the middle of the night and left the presents, that would have been nice. I mean, a whole lot easier if the manna had just been there on their tables when they got up in the morning, they wouldn't have to go out and find it and collect it. And God could have done that. He could have made the manna just appear on everyone's table, not in the field, but he didn't. And the question is why? Just like it would have been a whole lot easier for Israel if they had come to an unoccupied land, you know, if they didn't have to fight the inhabitants, it would have been a whole lot easier if a pandemic would have swept through that land and there were no more inhabitants there. But that's not what happened. And the question is, why? Just like it would have been a whole lot easier for this leper to have been healed in his house and not to have to go and fight his way to the Lord Jesus, he could have done that. God could have healed that leper in the home, but, but he didn't. The question is, why? Why? Just like for us, 
It'd be a whole lot easier if we didn't have to fight for opportunities that God gives us in life. God could just give us those opportunities we didn't have to fight for, but he didn't, doesn't. Why? And that gets to the word that God used to describe the land that he was given to Israel. It's the word set. Set. And so then, Deuteronomy 1, 8 and 21. God set, they were to go and possess. And that's the way it was for this leper. God set, the leper had to go and possess his healing. And that's the way it was for Israel. God set, and Israel had to go and possess the manna. And that's the way it is for us. God sets, we have to go and possess what God gives us. And that's the same way it is with salvation. Same with salvation. For salvation, God could just decided who was going to be saved and just save them from birth, but he didn't. The same way with salvation. God sets the gospel before a person, but the person has to go and possess his salvation. With uh, Acts 2.21, Acts 2.21, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And just as it wasn't easy for the leper, and it wasn't easy for Israel, and salvation is not easy for a person, as, as, as the Lord said in Luke 13, 23. Luke 13, 23, one said to him, Are there few that be saved? He said unto them, Strive to enter in at the state, straight gate. Many, I say unto you, will seek to enter and shall not be able. Matthew 7, 14, 7, 14, Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, leads to life. Few there be that find it. But God wants everybody to be saved. He wanted that leper to be cleansed. He wanted Israel to be fed. He wanted Israel to have the land. God wants everybody to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, God will have all men to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. All come to repentance. So, but, the, but the Lord sets the opportunity in front of every person to be saved. He wants every person to be saved. He's cheering for every person to be saved. But, but, he sets the opportunity there to be saved. Any person has to go and possess salvation. Why does God do that? Why does God simply set the gift for the people to go and possess? And the reason is, the reason is because of Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is what pleases God. It's impossible to please God without faith. God sets his gift and he calls on man to go and possess the gift because it's the going and the possessing that's done, that's faith, that's faith, and that makes God happy. And the more difficult it is to go and possess, the more faith is required and the more that makes God happy. It's not, it wasn't easy for the Israelites to go and possess the land. When Israel first came into Canaan, if they were asked by the inhabitants to come, we can imagine some kind of conversation. The Canaanite says, what are you doing here? And Israel says, I come to take your land. Canaanite says, well, what gives you the right to take my land? Don't you know I'm a Palestinian? Israelite, well, God gave the land to me. Canaanite says, well, let me just quote the words of Pharaoh in Exodus 5.2. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, you will let Israel go. So I say to you, who is the Lord that I should go? The more that Israel obeyed, the more that they went and go and possess the land command, the more they exercise faith and the more they please God. And that means that the more difficult it is for us to go and possess, the more of what God set before us, the more faith we have to exercise and the more we please God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for 
taking the time, Lord, to record this passage here for us so that we can learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.